Amen. There's nothing like it, just experiencing that peace, that encounter with his spirit. Hallelujah. Well, who's excited to get into the word this morning? It's, uh, it's been a real joy actually sitting with the Lord this week over, over what he would have me bring. Um, and I just really felt the Lord's heart in kind of different areas for this message for, for us as a church. And uh, yeah, I just really believe that the Lord wants to bring freedom uh, in our lives through this message. Amen. Hallelujah. So I don't really have a title. Maybe uh, by the end of the, the message, you guys can tell me what the title is. But uh, we're just going to f- touch on a few different areas. We're going to talk about um, uh, living life in the spirit as a Christian. You know, the opposite of living life in the spirit would be to, to be carnal. And instead of walking by faith and by what God's word says, we walk by sight Amen. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, fear and how fear, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that fear is a spirit and fear can come to uh, a rob us and it really tries and steals what the Lord has for us. So we're going to touch a little bit on fear and then we're going to uh, talk about the love of God. So hallelujah, we're in for a good morning. Who bought their Bibles this morning? I'd love you to get your, get your Bibles out, even if it's your phone, whatever it is, just so uh, you can highlight these scriptures. You know, whenever a pastor gets up on a Sunday, it's, it's the rhema word of God. It's what God is saying right now for us as a people. So uh, I encourage you, church, grab hold of something this morning and uh, we'll just pray over the word. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Thank you for that rhema word from heaven, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord God, that uh, it says in your word that it's truth that sets people free. So, Father God, we just thank you for truth that goes out this morning. Lord, it says in your word uh, that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. So we just thank you, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus for the word, Lord. I thank you. You give me utterance. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so life in the Spirit. You know, it says in Isaiah 48, 17, and I'll open with this scripture. It says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Isaiah 48, 17. I'll read that last part again. It says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. So, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of us, not only does he want to speak something, but he wants to perform something on our behalf. And, you know, whenever we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's because it says right there in Isaiah 48, 17, he wants us to profit. He wants us to increase in some area of our lives. You know, when we receive instruction from him, say, in parenting or, you know, something in our marriages or or in our finances. I know, say, Greg and I have really experienced that when we started to really involve God in the area of finances. It's like, wow, the profit that we've seen on that is amazing. But that's not just for finances. It's for every single area. And so that's always God's heart for you. You know, when you feel the Lord is leading you to do something, it's because he wants to help you. It's because he wants to bless you. Amen. It's never because he wants to take from you. Hallelujah. And uh, 
a few weeks ago, and I know Pastor Pete preached on this, so I actually got this from the Lord before he preached on it. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely what, the Lord, what we felt the Lord was saying. And it's, you know, where um, Jesus is sitting on the beach after he's risen again, the disciples are going out fishing, and uh, he yells from the beach, you know, how's it going? Caught nothing. And then he says to Peter, cast the net on the other side of the boat. And then he catches you know, 153 fish, a whole heap of fish. And, you know, I was thinking about that and it's not like that action of casting the net on the other side of the boat was some extraordinary action. What was in it was that it was a direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the same as if, uh, you know, we look at the story where uh, Jesus turned the water to wine and, you know, Mary said to the servants, whatever he says do it. And so that was simply what brought the breakthrough. They were only filling jars with water. It really was nothing extraordinary. It was just that they were following the leading of Jesus. And it's the same with us, you know. Um, I love the story of Noah as well. Same thing. And you look at what the Lord did through Noah and the fact that he got him to build this massive ark, he would have been ridiculed, he would have been mocked, he would have been persecuted. But there's a part there in the story of Noah and I feel like it's one of the most powerful verses in that whole story. And it simply says, Noah obeyed God. And you know, we can get into a whole lot of confusion. We can jump ahead of ourselves if we try and figure things out instead of just taking the step that the Lord's asked us to take. Amen? And when we start talking about, you know, hearing the voice of God and following the directives of the Holy Spirit and letting God lead, sometimes we can get into this thought process of, oh, I don't know if I hear from God. You know, I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if that's me. But in fact, that's not scriptural because the Bible says in John 10, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 10, verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out and his sheep hear his voice. Amen. That's for every single one of us. If you're a born-again Christian here this morning, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Can we just speak that out right now? My sheep hear my voice. Say, I hear the voice of God. Amen. It's a bit, bit of a running joke uh, in our family. My husband, I don't know if anyone's heard, but uh, he's got this amazing laugh and it's like so distinct and unique and we're living in a caravan park at the moment and uh, I'll be standing, you know, however many metres away from Greg and if I'm trying to find him, I just listen out for that laugh. <laughs> I hear the laugh and I'm like, okay, he's over there. And it's, you know, I'm familiar with his voice. That's just a funny example of his laugh. But, you know, the more we sit with God, the more we spend time with God, the more we learn to hear his voice. Amen? I was thinking about, you know, different times in my life as a Christian where the Lord's spoken to me and just you know, really profound ways. And, you know, I was, uh, for those of you that haven't heard this, this story, I was, uh, it was about probably 17 years ago, I was actually at the church playing volleyball out with my friends. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, but can't say I was walking close with the Lord at this time. And I was out there just having a great time. Greg and I were in a team. And uh, 
It was like I just heard the voice of the Lord in my heart. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about you just get an inward witness. You know, the Bible says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. And I just had this inward witness and it was like the Lord was saying, you know, this will be your church one day. And it was like I just felt this home base for this church. Never been into the church. I was out there playing volleyball. But again, it was just the directives and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Such a powerful thing. Because, you know, the Bible says that he'll show us things to come. Amen? And he wants to do that for every single one of us. Um, even our kids, you know, our kid, how many know that, that our kids hear from the Lord? Those of you that have kids and grandkids, they just come out with amazing things, you know. I actually had to write down a few things that Aria, our youngest daughter, had said this week because I was like, oh, gosh. Um, she started singing this song in the car the other day and, uh, and I got my phone out and recorded it, but th these were the lines to it. And I wasn't saying anything about this. There was nothing in Greg and I's conversation or anything that was about this. She's just sitting in the back seat and she starts singing this song and she says, he has the keys to every heart. Every house he has the keys to. There isn't a key that he doesn't hold to someone's heart. And I was just like, Ari, can you sing that again? Just amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool that that was actually a confirmation because that week, you know, I felt, um, I guess you could say, a correction of the Lord. And he sort of said to me, you know, no one is too far for salvation. And then Aria sings that song. He holds the key to every, every heart. Every heart he holds the key to. What an amazing, amazing way to live, hey? hearing from the Lord, walking with him like that in friendship. He so desires that. And so, you know, the opposite of the voice of the Lord would say be the voice of fear. You know, we read in uh, Isaiah 48 where it says that the Lord teaches us to profit. Well, if we're listening to the voice of fear, it causes us to shrink back. You know, fear was what came in when man fell in the garden. Amen. Adam's, uh, one of his first reactions, he says to the Lord, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. So fear is a symptom of sin. It's a symptom of the fallen nature of man. And so, you know, uh, some other outcomes of fear is it produces anxiety, uh, it produces worry. Fear of failure stops us from stepping out and actually robs us from our destiny. Who can relate to that? You know, I think that it's better to step out and, and believe that you're in faith and if you make a mistake, rather than not step out at all. Amen? Fear of rejection can stop us from loving others, you know, in case we get hurt. And really, fear is a tool that the enemy uses. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Amen, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So, you know, we'll go to 2 Timothy 1.7. I do actually have a slide for this one. But this is our, our born-again nature here, church. This is such a good new creation reality scripture. Can we just all read this out loud together? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So this is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. 
Right now in your born-again spirit, this is what you have going on, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not to take on characteristics and and the identity of the old man because it's not who we are. And if we can just turn to uh, uh, Numbers 14, and I'm going to go through a few few scriptures here. Uh, Who's familiar with the story of uh, the spies, the first set of spies that went into the land, the 12 spies, Joshua, Caleb, come back with a good report, the 10 came back with the report of unbelief. And, uh, but we're going to actually just skip ahead a little bit. And uh, if you're in Numbers 14, I'm going to read from Joshua 2, 8 to 11. And this is where uh, Rahab, the two spies went into to Rahab. So this is the second time they actually went into the land. And you really, if you look at it this way, you actually get an insight as to, you know, Uh, The Lord told the Israelites, I've given you this land. You go in and possess it. But if you read ahead here, you'll actually see that the people that were inhabiting the land, they were scared. They were so scared of the Israelites. But somehow this narrative got switched and the Israelites end up being scared of the people in the land. But let's just have a look at this. Joshua 2.9. Uh, So this is Rahab, and she says, And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the terror and dread of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land have melted in despair because of you. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan on the east, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in despair and a fighting spirit no longer remained in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and on earth beneath. And so here we go. So, and there's actually another story um, where Joshua makes a treaty with the Gibeonites. They deceive the Israelites. They say, we're from a faraway land. Uh, Please make a treaty with us. And then Joshua comes back and says, why have you deceived us? Why have you said that you're from a faraway land when you're just from next door? And again, they say exactly the same thing as Rahab. We're scared of you guys. The fear of you has come upon us. So here you've got the inhabitants of the land scared of the Israelites, but then let's just see, you know, the narrative of the 10 versus the two, uh, Joshua and Caleb, that lined up what uh, the Lord was saying. They said that. Amen? So it says here, uh, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. So do not fear them. And so they were lining up what God was saying with what they said. And this church is how we walk by faith. We're not walking by what we see. We're not walking by what we think. We line up what God says with what we say. The other 10 here, these guys, you know, they weren't walking by faith. They were walking by sight. And it says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. And, you know, just reading that, you think, Hang on, the whole land was afraid of you guys. 
All the inhabitants were terrified because they seen what the Lord had done, how he dried up the Red Sea for them to walk through. But see, fear, what fear does is it stops you from stepping in to what God has for you. Amen. It'll cause you to shrink back. It'll cause you to give back what has been given to you. The Lord gave them this land, but they were responding in fear. It says, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in spying it out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. And it's interesting that just after that, the whole of uh, the congregation of the Israelites actually wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb because they were walking by faith and not by sight. They just went with what God said. You know, sometimes walking by faith can make you look a bit crazy, right? But before you see it in the natural, you've got to believe it in the spiritual. Amen, you've got to believe it in your heart. And so somehow the narrative gets switched. Romans uh, 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, we're not to fear the enemy. Amen? The enemy's scared of us. We're the ones that have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. The enemy knows his end. He knows that he's finished. Amen? Who's heard the story of uh, Smith Wigglesworth? Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth to start with? Great revivalist, uh, born in England in 1859. And I'll just read you this little story. Uh, it's by one of his friends who was um, sort of writing memoirs of, of Smith and he says, starts it by saying, uh, Smith never felt threatened by the devil. And by the way, this guy raised so many people from the dead, like he just did some radical, amazing things, you know, to the point where he would go out in public and the presence of God would just fall and there would be people, you know, what do I need to do to be saved? He just carried the presence of God like nothing else because he continued to walk by faith and not by sight. And so it says, on one occasion, Wigglesworth awoke during the night aware of a satanic presence. Who's ever, you know, felt that in the night? You just kind of wake up, oh, something's not right. You know, I'm just going to pray or we need to stand in our authority. But let's see, it's funny to see what Smith did. He said, looking across the room, he saw the devil himself standing there. Wigglesworth said to Satan, oh, it's only you. And he turned over and went back to sleep. Amen. That's the authority we carry, church. We're not to be moved. The the dread of us is upon anything that opposes us. And you know, in the new covenant, we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against powers and principalities. We're not talking about being opposed to people. We've got to get that right. And most importantly, fear is something that Romans chapter 6, verse 5, said that we have died to. So let's just have a look at that. Romans chapter 6, verse 5, down to 8. Starts out by saying, For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him 
And so that's, you know, when we read this and we read about where it says sin here, we've got to remember that this is not only talking about sinful actions or sinful behaviours, it's actually talking about uh, our sin nature. So it's saying any symptoms of sin and brokenness, it says you've died to that as a new creation. So verse 6, we'll keep reading, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Please don't read that as just behaviours. It's talking about our fallen identity. If any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creation. Verse 7, it says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. And so I did a bit of a word study. And in the book of Romans, that word sin is actually uh, spoken about uh, 46 times as a noun being our sin nature. Only two times is it talking about behaviours. And, you know, that's really important to know because if we never understand who we are in Christ, that we've died to fear, we've died to sin, we've died to brokenness, we're going to be continually fighting symptoms instead of knowing what happened in our hearts. So our obedience to the law was never going to save us. It had to be the blood of Jesus. There was no substitute. We can't try really hard to get our behaviours in order without knowing that new creation reality. And, you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And, uh, you know, it's actually a revelation that completely changed my life, finding out who I was in Christ, that I wasn't my sinful behaviour. The Bible now says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No substitute for the blood of Jesus. You know, we as a family take communion, uh, you know, a couple times a week, just nice way to kind of end the day and just, you know, come back to the Lord and just say, Father, we thank you, we love you, we partake of the life of Jesus and, you know, we thank you for forgiveness and all that and we just love taking communion. The kids love it as well and uh, every now and then... Uh, the kids will just go and start setting up communion. And we're like, okay, cool, we'll have communion, that's fine. And uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Aria decides to set up communion. So, and I was actually in, the, in, in our room um, just reading the word. Greg was out in the lounge room with the girls. And uh, I hear them kind of starting to take communion. I was like, oh, that's lovely. Like, how nice, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so they ate the cracker and I think Greg prayed. And, and then they get to the cup... And I hear Greg say, is this soya sauce? <laughs> and Aria, instead of using grape juice, has, has used soya sauce. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's just hilarious. <laughs> so that's just a funny story. But there's no substitute for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Our righteousness is never something that we could earn or be good enough to get. It was only given through him. And so, you know, I'm not saying that brokenness and fear and other symptoms of our fallen nature doesn't ever affect a Christian or doesn't ever, you know, manifest in our nature. But what I am saying this morning, church, is that there's something that speaks a better word over our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's the blood of Jesus. 
And I actually just felt the Lord get me to add this in just this morning. So I don't have a slide for it, but if you can just all turn to Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. We were reading a little bit before uh, verse 16, but I felt to just read this as well. Romans chapter 6. And so, you know, Paul was, in, in the book of Romans, he was preaching such an amazing gospel of grace that they just had to ask the question, well, what then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's like, how, do, how, does, how does this thing work, you know? We're not saved by our own works. We're only saved by the blood of Jesus, right? But then if we just read a little bit further on, verse 16, it talks about, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves to whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So, you know, you can be saved and born again and a new vessel, brand new nature in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what this is saying is don't then go and give yourselves over again to anything that would cause destruction. It says sin leading to death. Give yourselves over to the Lord and things that bring life. Because, you know, open doors in the life of a Christian it's the devil's playground. If we're going to be going off doing things that are destructive, you can still be saved. You can still be going to heaven. But if you're going to leave some open doors for the enemy to come in, he doesn't mess around. You know, he, he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Just make sure, church, that we have every door shut to the enemy. Amen. And that's going to look like something different for each of us. But allow the Lord to take things out of your life that don't line up with who he says you are. Amen? Next scripture. So this is a really good thing to always be reminded of. We have a body. Oh, sorry, we live in a body. We have a soul, but we are a spirit. We're now spirit beings. So when we talk about identity in Christ, it's talking about what our spirit looks like. And can we just read this all together? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who has reconciled us unto himself. And so this is who we are in Christ, a new creation. New creation. Look at another uh, new creation uh, scripture here. Ephesians 4.23. And that you put on the new man. So the new man again, who we are in our spirits. Let's just see what the new man looks like. It says, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, that's who we are in Christ. If we get a revelation of this, trying to fight symptoms and habits and addictions becomes so much easier because you start to see yourself outside of that. That's not who I am. That behaviour there, that is not who I am. Amen? It says in Romans 7, uh, I think it's verse 22 or 23, that in the inward man, I delight in the law of God. And so that means that anything the Lord delights in, anything the Lord loves, it means that your born-again spirit loves that too. You don't have any hidden corner of your spirit that's, you know, still in darkness. That's a lie of the enemy. 
And so that's why we can't be up here preaching about, you know, stop it. Because first, to stop it, we've got to know who we are in Christ. Separating ourselves from all that brokenness, separating ourselves from that sin, that's no longer who I am. And, you know, this can be a process. The Lord, the more we walk with the Lord, the more he'll take things out of our life. Amen. But it's because he wants to bring freedom. Hallelujah. And so what do we do, say, when fear comes? Can we just all turn to 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 to 5? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Who's there? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. I don't have a slide for this one. So it says... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Who knows this scripture? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. And so this, you know, if we want to talk about spiritual warfare, people get caught up with, you know, whatever's happening in the second heavens and over and whatever. It's like you've got to get spiritual warfare right in your own mind first because the enemy is constantly wanting to give us fiery darts that try and exalt themselves above who the Lord says we are in Christ. And so we have to get really good at this, pulling it down, saying, no, I'm not taking that thought. No, that thought's not mine. No, Father, I thank you that you said I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can we just say that out loud? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I died to the old man. I died to my sin nature. Hallelujah. And the quicker we can do that, the quicker we can identify these thoughts not being ours and cast them down, the more victory and the more freedom we'll have. Amen. Amen this morning, church. I don't know. That's the end. Okay. So I'm just going to read. Uh, I've got two more scriptures here. And I just want to talk about now following the voice of the love of God in our lives. Who knows 1 John 4, 18? It says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Romans 8, 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You know, the enemy would want to lie to us and say that your situation is too far gone for the love of God to reach. But that is not scriptural. That's not what Romans 8 says. It says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love this last verse. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Um, This week, uh, sorry, not this week, 
a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, just, you know, one of those days where I got a little bit slack in casting down every thought and imagination and I kind of let, you know, a, a thought or two just have a little bit too long up there and I started to see the fruit of it, you know, just started to get a little bit discouraged. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so... It was funny because uh, a few days before that, I, I was just in the Word and I was reading where um, uh, Jesus says uh, to Peter, you know, you, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And so it was funny because as I was reading that, it was like the Holy Spirit just really highlighted that and I thought, yep, 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 Mate, like it's an amazing story, Lord. And I was like, yeah. But I was like, oh, it's almost like, okay, that's interesting that you're highlighting that to me right now, Lord. But it was like the Lord was going to show me that, you know, I was going to have a, a, a day there where I wasn't completely walking in faith. But his heart wasn't changed towards me. Amen. We've got to know the mercy of God. We've got to know the love of God that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. He who sent his own son, he didn't even spare his own son for us, church. Hallelujah. So let's just stand and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to to move and minister this morning and we'll get the, the team back up. Thanks, team. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to read from Isaiah 54, verses 13. And it says, You will be firmly established in righteousness. You will be far from even the thought of oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely attacks you, the Lord says, It will not be from me, but whoever attacks you will fall because of me. And so just this morning, I just want to invite you, you know, if you feel like you've been struggling with, with fear in your life and you feel like, the, you know, uh, you've been robbed a little bit of what the Lord may have for you, I want to invite you to come down and uh, just love to lay hands on you and pray for you. Amen. Because we uh, in the new covenant have not been given a spirit of fear. It's not something that we need to tolerate. Amen. So, Father, we just thank You for Your love, Lord God. We just thank You that You showed Your love for us, Father God, by the cross, by sending Your Son. Father God, we just thank You for freedom in the hearts and minds of Your people, Lord God. For it says in Your Word, Father, that we've been created according to true righteousness and holiness. That if any man be in Christ, is he a new creation? Father, I just pray that you help us to continue to behold who we are in Christ. Lord God, that any lies just get quieter and quieter. And Father, your voice gets louder and louder in our hearts and in our lives. Lord God, as we walk by faith and not by sight. Father God, that we are the ones that uh, walk by what your Word says, Father God. We just thank you, Lord God. And this morning, church, you know, if you're here and and you would say, I'm not walking with the Lord Jesus, you would say, my life isn't right with the Lord this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to come down and pray a prayer. You know, 
The Lord loves you so much, but He's waiting for that invitation. He doesn't push Himself on anyone. You know, we like to say that He's the perfect gentleman and He's waiting for that invitation where He wants to come in and do what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, make all things brand new. Thank you, Lord God. So I'll just make those invitations this morning, church, as we sing the last song. Uh, If you want to come down for prayer, please come down for prayer. We know that the Lord will meet you. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen.